Hello, Crossroads friends. Phil Pippinger, Director of Crossroads of East Tennessee. Welcome to Crossroads Traffic, the podcast ministry of Crossroads of East Tennessee. It's been a while since we have been in the book of Genesis and going over some things in that. We were we have been covering Genesis 1 through 6 up to Noah and the flood. Now we are getting into uh, chapters 7 and 8. This may be more of a two, possibly a three-part study that we're getting into. We're going to be covering, starting into Genesis uh, chapter 7, verses 11 through Genesis 8, verse 22. Again, this probably that's a lot to cover, and and I, I try to keep my times with you all anywhere between 25 to 35 minutes. So uh, with covering all that and getting into this, uh, it's really important that I try to stay within that time frame, and it's really important that I, uh, as I cover this, that I want to take this a step at a time. Uh, you hear verse by verse. That's what I want to do as we cover these uh, topics and what we get into. Um, let's go ahead and bow our heads for a quick word of prayer as we get into uh, Noah, uh, his family, the ark, and the flood. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for how you watch us, watch over us, and guide our lives. Thank you for the privilege of teaching. Uh, and I pray also that as I'm getting into this and studying this, I'm learning as well. I pray that I am transparent. I pray that people can see right through me that I am I'm authentic and genuine in what I am saying and what I'm sharing. Uh, even in my stammering and my stumbling in speech, your word is clear and it covered, it carries a lot of authority and power. And I pray that what we teach on is going to touch people's hearts and lives, uh, that they will never be the same as they get into this study. And, uh, Thank you for this privilege and time as we see what Noah is going through and may be used to inspire us as we deal with adversity, as we deal with challenges that are ahead in this life and out and what is in our world today. God, we lift up the name of Christ, the name above all names. By, by this word, everything we teach, everything points to the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ, who paid for what we owe you at the cross and what his resurrection means for us. It is life beyond the grave. Pray that, that as we live, we live reflecting you in our speech and in our conduct. In, their, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I always give a challenge to everybody. Anytime we do a study like this, please search out God's word as I am teaching. Do not take my word for it. Please search the scriptures daily and do it with great eagerness and great enthusiasm in all that we are dealing with and all that we go through. Now, let's go ahead and get into this study. The main thing here, I've titled this lesson, even though I've got some things up here about the causes of the flood, the main thing here, and, and I said before, this may be a two or a three-part lesson as we get into this. The main thing I want you all to understand as we study is that God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. You have to understand there's three things about God. God is, and it's the omnis. He's omnipresent. He's always around. He knows everything. He sees everything. He sees what everybody on this on this earth is going through. Uh, he knows the trials. He knows the tribulations. He knows the triumphs that we are all going through. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is uh, omnipotent. 
potent. It's always, it's powerful. He is all powerful. And I would say this, he is more than just powerful. He has all the authority. And that covers a lot right there. I always think of, of like, a, I've heard of men who have been in law enforcement. It's not the gun and it's not the weapons. It's the badge that they wear. The badge is what gives them authority. I was watching an old show. It was an old comedy and it was, it, it was popular for years and years and years, even after it went off uh, the air and it just showed in reruns. I remember what was said was, you're going to have a hard time arresting somebody. You got to have the badge. The badge is the most important part of what you wear because the badge is what holds authority. And it's the same way with God. God has power, but he holds all the authority. He's omnipotent, all-powerful, uh, <clears throat> omnipresent. He is everywhere. He's, he knows and sees what everybody is going through and what they're dealing with. And that brings me to the third one. He is omniscient. He is all-knowledgeable. He knows everything. And I will say this, in that fact of being omniscient, he is immutable. He, immutable. he never changes. That's a fancy word for he never changes. Now, with that said right there, God is in, in charge of all things. He knows everything. He is all-powerful, omnipotent. He is, he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. The omniscience, when we read a verse like uh, Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, the first thing that we see, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. God didn't just, uh-oh, I forgot something. I got to go. I just remembered I have to go back and get this. Like you leave something at the grocery store. That is not the same thing here at all. That is not what this means right here. He is always pondering. He was through that whole ordeal with the ark and the floods and how that, that big barge got shoved around by the waves and everything. God was like, hey, I'm not taking all this catastrophe away because I said that I was going to bring a flood on all the earth and everything that has life and breath, it will perish on the earth. Everything, every living thing will perish. He said that immutable, immutable. He would not go back on that. Now, remember in our previous studies, when God made that proclamation, it was like 120 years and he used Noah to preach on the earth to preach righteousness, God's righteousness, God's coming judgment. Turn from your wicked ways, people. He was telling everybody around the on the earth, hey, turn from your wicked ways. Come back to the Lord. You know who he is. You know he's Lord Elohim, Lord God. He's, in, he's creator of all things. He is in charge. Come back to our creator. He's been so good to us and what he's given to us, but they refused. They refused because their hearts were so corrupt. Uh, they were, it's not that they were just doing evil things and, and th things that displease the Lord. It's that their minds were thinking of more ways in which they could, they could uh, bring about evil. The lusts in their mind, their thought patterns, everything about them, about man that was on the earth, all he wanted to do was think of and invent other ways in which to do evil. Paul talks about that at the end of Romans 1. He gives a long list of things about the perversions of man and the, and the, and the not right thinking. 
that that um, depravity means and so forth. There is a part in there in the New American Standard. They are inventors of evil. Um, <clears throat> no, or Moses writes about this. He talks about this in in uh, Genesis in Genesis six. It's it's not that it's not just that that everything was corrupt in the sight of God and the earth was filled with violence. It's not just all those things that were taking place and what was going on. It was that the, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was on evil only continually. It was, a, it was an ongoing habitual life of doing what was evil, acting out what's in my mind and just acting on that. That's what we see here in Noah's day. Now, what I wanted to get to was I want to talk about this a little bit about everybody wants to know about the causes of the flood. Well, you hear about our oh, rain came down on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. There was so much more to that than, than, than just that simple statement right there. As a matter of fact, it says that in, in uh, chapter eight, it says that when the earth when the earth, or I'm sorry, chapter seven, chapter seven, when 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 the floods came, and Noah and and uh, his family and all the animals that were on the ark, and they were in the ark for seven days. It says this. Uh, it says that that there was a that how water prevailed on the earth, and how it snuffed out the life that was on the earth, uh, all the flesh, everything that breathed. Uh, all these things that took place, it's, it was more than just rain that fell on the earth. In, in verse 11, the, the flood came, and this is, everybody wants to know, when did the flood come? In verse 11 of Genesis 7, in the 60th, in the, I'm sorry, the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open. I've seen pictures. There were there were two tsunamis that took place in 2004, 2005, right around that time frame, anywhere between 15 to 16 years ago. Uh, one was off the coast of Sri Lanka and the other one was in Thailand. And people, tourists, actually took film footage of what took place. And basically, it was a it was a wave that came in on the beach, and it kept coming. It kept coming. And here's the here's the here was what was the cause of it was apparently there was either an underwater earthquake, plates shifted on the earth. They just shifted, and also possibly some type of volcanic activity in the Great Deep caused something like that way out way out in the Indian Ocean or Pacific to cause that, and it caused this ripple to take place, and water had to go somewhere, and it just came up short and caused flooding in those beach towns and in those resort areas. So the great deeps, deeps, <laughs> the great deep uh, burst, fountains of the deep, fountains of the great deep burst open. Fountains of the great deep burst open. And then the floodgates of the sky opened. And this is what I was going to dwell on here. There was apparently, according to a doctor, Theodore Schwartz, and let me let me give him credit where credit is due. Sometime back in the 
1950s and 60s, there was a Dr. C. Theodore Schwartz. He was a fellow of the American Association of the Advancement of Science. And he did, he devoted 30 years of intensive research into the scientific accuracies of the Bible. He also had written a, a book called The Marvel of Earth's Canopies. The Marvel of Marvel of Earth's Canopies. And that was by Good News in 1957. So we're going back a ways here. But he comes up with a great uh, study, and he says there was an ice canopy over the earth. And it lends itself to a, to a lot of credence and a lot of uh, reliability in terms of what he says about this ice canopy. There are many creationists uh, that hold to this. Um, and I'm quoting this. This is from... Uh, John Phillips, who wrote this commentary on the um, exploring Genesis. And this is where this comes from. So let me read this. According to Dr. Schwartz, the planet was at one time completely uh, ensphered or had a sphere of, of an ice canopy. And he gives reasons for believing that and, and, and suggestions uh, as to how it formed. Incidental hints in the early chapters of Genesis lend credence to his theory. It would explain, for example, the remarkable longevity, uh, longevity of life. In other words, why the uh, you have those uh, years, hundreds of years from Adam to Noah. Men lived anywhere. Lamech recorded uh, his his dead. The age of his death was 777 years. He passed away. He died five years before the flood. And Methuselah died either the year of, the week of, or, or well, obviously uh, Noah would bury him. So it must have been before they entered the ark. And then uh, a week, seven days later, uh, the flood came. So it must have been within the year or month that Methuselah, he lived 969 years uh, longest life recorded in scripture. Um, I believe that Noah actually lived to be 950 years of age. Adam lived 930 years of age. So you see all that. And then everybody else in between lived well into the 900 year mark. So, um, but, but at, at any rate, <clears throat> except Enoch, Enoch lived not 365 years and the Lord took him. He brought him up. He translated him. He was raptured up, but, with that said, I find that real interesting. It, it does lend to this longevity of life. Longevity, excuse me. I finally got that out. The earth was watered by a mist. In other words, if you, if you ever go through a produce section of, of a certain um, uh, grocery stores, you will see where a lot of times there'll be kind of a mist. It won't be a shower, but kind of a mist that'll go down over the fruit and vegetables that are in the produce section. I get, that's the picture I get of this mist that was taking place on the earth. They also, uh, the men at the um, Institute of Creation Research, uh, they believe that the earth was anywhere between 75 to 85 degrees year round, the whole, from the north to the, to the south, east and west. There was no extreme uh, temperatures uh, that were going on on the earth. Uh, this past week, uh, it's, it's February uh, 2021, uh, they said that in Houston, Texas, it was six degrees and 
the weathermen, the, the meteorologists have said that it was colder in Houston at six degrees than it was in some parts of Alaska during that time. So very extreme weather that we have now, but you have it at consistency during those early days of creation. Um, the rainbow is the sign of God's covenant. You have to have water before you can see a rainbow with all those different colors and so forth. And this tends to lend, lend itself to this floodgates of the sky opened up. And again, this is by Dr. Theodore Schwartz, who came, who has developed this. And it again, it lends itself <clears throat> to just <coughs> such a defense for these types of answers that we can have here. Um, Dr. Schwartz contended that an explosion tore the canopy apart so that in a literal sense, the windows of heaven were open, the rushing ice and water descended from the sky and it would carry into the depths of the ocean, all evidence of antediluvian civilization scouring the planet. The intense cold accompanying the catastrophe would explain why in Siberia, which is the far eastern part and northern parts of Russia, of Siberia and Alaska, whole animals have been found in a remarkable state of preservation, having apparently been deeply frozen instantly. As a matter of fact, there is a story I've heard of a woolly mammoth still fully intact, tusks and and with uh, with vegetation in his mouth, and they would find him just preserved perfectly. Uh, I have read that, and so that is interesting how that plays out. So people ask all the time, "Well, what were the causes of the flood?" You had you had this bursting forth from the great deep, from the the fountains, uh, the possibly earth. Uh, volcanic and earthquake uh, activity that was taking place, the plates beginning to shift, which we have today. They say the Pacific Rim from China, Japan, and all the way off the West Coast of the United States, uh, all the way up toward Alaska. You have these plates that are shifting and moving and so forth. And not, not only that, but the ice canopy just broke forth and, and bringing down everything on the earth that was... Uh, that went from this mist to all of a sudden you just had torrential rain pounding the earth uh, that was taking place. <clears throat> the flood came again, according to Genesis 7, 11 in the 600th year, second month and 17th day of Noah's life. Okay. So there you see that taking place. How long did this, did this, did water prevail on the earth? According to Genesis 7, 24, and the earth prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Okay. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but it prevailed after it stopped raining. It was on the earth. It just, it was just, it prevailed on the earth for 150 days. And it was just a big pool was all it was. <clears throat> it, 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 it prevailed over the mountains, over all geography of what we see. Let me read verse 22 of Genesis 7. Of all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, died. The spirit of life, everything died. Human beings died. They were taken. 
at that point in time. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth. And Noah was left together with those that were with him on the ark. God told him, he said, hey, I will be with you. Genesis 6, verse 18, I will establish my covenant with you. When God makes a covenant, he will see it through. Regardless of what we meant, what we do, Abraham, Moses, Noah, David, those were all, they were all men. They had their, they had their faults. They did, they fell short of what God's standards were. But God will see his covenant through. And he was with Noah through all that. And he goes, let me go on and read this. And you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And, and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. And, you sh and, and they shall be male and female. You have to make provisions. You have to prepare. And guess what it says at the end of chapter six? Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. He had never seen rain. He'd never seen or noticed anything about the earth that gave anything to tell us that this is the cause of this or, or I've never seen rain before. I've never seen any, any kind of, of, of uh, extreme weather. It's always been nice on the earth, but God said, hey, everything's going to perish. Everything. This could be another discussion too altogether. This is this is kind of seeped into some people's thinking. Now, me, I just read it for what it said. When God said everything on the earth, I'm just thinking this big round planet, everything was flooded. It wasn't some <clears throat> some type of local flood that was just in in uh, the Middle East and Central Asia and, and up toward what we call Turkey, the, that area right there. I do not believe that. I, I don't hold to that. I believe this was worldwide. It was a global flood. When the Bible speaks of all the earth, God is talking about everything, <clears throat> everything that breathes, everything that brings forth life. As a matter of fact, Genesis chapter seven, all flesh that moved on the earth perished, <coughs> died. Birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms on the earth and all mankind died. Verse 23, thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land from man to animals to creeping things to birds of the sky. They were blotted out from the earth and only Noah was left together with those who were on the ark. Right there, we see that. And then going into chapter eight, verse one, we see this, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in, in the ark. And then at that point, we see this, God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. You know what? The spirit of God hovered over the earth in those early days of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and God hovered over the earth. Genesis chapter one. We see this 
right here. And the earth was formless and void and the darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Um, <clears throat> that's where God was moving. His spirit was moving and this causing this wind to blow. The spirit, this <clears throat> Acts talks about this. The spirit moves in rushing wind came into the upper room, 120. Here they came and they were filled with the spirit at that particular point in time. Yes, Yahweh, he is covenant, covenant name, God. He remembered Noah. Let me finish by sharing this definition. When we see this in <clears throat> that God remembered Noah to pierce to impress on the memory. Again, God is all-knowing. He didn't forget anything. He did not, he did not uh, have a lapse in memory. He was always thinking of Noah, always. And look what we see here, his compassion <clears throat> to fulfill his commands through God's loving and tender mercy. He was with it. He was with Noah through the whole time. And he found favor with God. As a matter of fact, that's what, that's what we see when Noah comes on the scene and where God sees on all the earth. He sees that, hey, there is one. And here he is. And that Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. To walk with God means that you are living by a code of conduct, a rule of life, a manner which is pleasing to the Lord. In your speech and in your conduct, you are you have a, a heart to pursue him and to come after him. That's what this means to walk. If I'm going to live by the spirit, then I better walk by the spirit. In the New Testament, we see that. But that's what we see here about Noah. He walked with God. He had a relationship. He talked with the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. And the Lord, the Lord spoke to him and shared with him through these, these revelations. And he spoke to him and said, hey, you are to build me an ark. Hey, I'm going over my time here with what I have. We're going to talk more about how this idea that God remembered Noah. And we're going to talk more about these things as we talk more about, um, about the, the flood, how God was with Noah through the flood, how he was using him. And, lived, and, 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 and we're going to talk about this more as we, as we go through Genesis chapter eight, God remembered Noah. Thank you so much for this time that we've had together. Hey, keep your eyes on the Lord. Search the scriptures daily with great eagerness and excitement. Search it with enthusiasm in all that you do. And in all that we go through, I wanna leave this with you, Maranatha, until he comes, let's keep pursuing the Lord and keep coming after Christ in all that we do. Thank you and God bless you.